Hey, this is Adam. So the episode you're about to listen to, uh, hopefully, I mean, you could stop right now. Okay, good. You didn't. You're still here. Good. I mean, if you've been listening, you know I have abandonment issues. So thank you. Uh, This episode was recorded in June 2020, a bit of delay getting this one released, only relevant insofar as there are references to quarantine and lockdown, the usual things. And those may have changed because the world is changing very quickly right now. Wow. Uh, Original profound sentiment there, Adam. Okay. All right. Let's do it. I'm Adam Strauss. And I'm Jordan Iper, MD. And this is not therapy. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much therapy. It's not therapy, man. Okay. Okay. Here we are. It's uh, it's been a couple of weeks since the last one, and a lot of stuff has happened uh, with the world, which we won't we won't attempt to encompass or grapple with all of that. But uh, but also specifically with the stuff we've been talking about um, in my life with with Clara. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what's going on? Well, s- all right, so. W- where we left off was, you know, we've been living together for a few months, really, during quarantine, mostly living together. But from the beginning, from when I first met her, I knew she was in a, she's polyamorous. Mm-hmm. And she has a longtime lover named Rob, who she's been with for about a year and a half. And I was actually the first person since Rob, who she had slept with. She dated some people, she made out with some people but hadn't slept with anyone and so rob was always in the picture and i actually i know him a little bit sheerly coincidentally seems like a good bloke uh he's not he's, he's not british or australian <laughs> but uh i'm gonna call him a bloke no it seems like yeah I, I don't know him but the fact that she has deep love for him makes me feel like he must have a lot to offer but he's always even though i do I, I don't even know him, even though I have met him. He's been very theoretical because of the quarantine circumstances. She chose to quarantine with me, and part of that may just be pragmatic. His living situation wouldn't allow wouldn't allow that, whereas I was living alone. And so even though I always knew he was in the picture, he actually wasn't in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> you and I joked about this, not during the podcast, I think, but something like, you know, I won polyamory and the prize was monogamy. <laughs> <laughs> Clara and I have been, for all intents and purposes, in a monogamous relationship for the past, and not just a regular monogamous relationship like dating, you know, cohabiting. Yeah. So as things have opened up, it is now mid-June, and when we last talked, it was the end of May, things were starting to open up, and and she was able to start seeing Rob again, and she was seeing Rob again, and that was predictably bringing up all sorts of feelings. And one of the things I was grappling with is how much of those feelings were due to this change in circumstance with Rob, and how much of them were more this, what sometimes seems like a more fundamental feeling of insecurity I have with her. Mm-hmm. which I, I would define as a feeling like she doesn't like me enough or care mm-hmm. about me enough, whatever that mm-hmm. means. And that I think, yeah, and, and that, that's that been there even before things started opening up and she started seeing Rob again. But certainly when she started seeing Rob, that, you know, that, that really um, 
increased dramatically. Yeah, my, I'm sorry, I think my internet cut out there for a sec. Yeah, I was saying my my memory is that you know we weren't. It wasn't actually that she doesn't like you enough. I think it's it's been abundantly clear that she has very strong feelings for you, and in, in fact, has been very demonstrative with that at many points in the relationship. And maybe maybe that is, is is starting to change. But I feel like our conversation was less centered around the uh, the the you know rather amorphous concept of does she like you enough, but more about is she wanting. Is she, can she meet your needs? Can she? Does she want to go to the level of depth and commitment that you want to? And so it was maybe almost a little more logistical or pragmatic than like, does she like you? I don't know. Yeah, no, for sure. And yet it really does. I know it kind of sounds like a juvenile sort of, you know, junior high school way to put it. Oh yeah, she likes you or she doesn't like you, but it really does feel that way to me in my mind. That's how I, I yeah, that yeah. security, which is, uh, I think as you've, you've posited before related to childhood stuff does feel like despite a lot of evidence to the contrary, I can be very quick to conclude in the moment that, Oh, she's just, she just doesn't really like me that much. In fact, sometimes I feel like, Oh, she, I kind of, maybe I'm just kind of annoying to her. Mm-hmm. And, and this came up recently and we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah. you're, yeah. Right. Yeah. If it, even if it is, if there is another explanation, if it is more a logistical thing or her time, she doesn't have enough time or something or yeah. Cause she is, she's busy. She's splitting her time commitment between two people, but that's going to feel to you. That's going to register on a on a deeper level as she she's rejecting me she doesn't care about me yeah and and i think as we've discussed it seems like i have a pretty sensitive hair trigger Mm -hmm. to feeling that way yeah yeah that's a really important thing we've been tracking yeah and and some of it may come down to attachment style i've been reading or skimming through that book attached Mm -hmm. and i clearly seem to have what would be called an anxious attachment style and we talked about that a bit last time but but yeah to kind of bring you up to the present so we left our last session where you gave me some or we together agreed on some sort of concrete ways i think one of the big things from last session was was this idea that i I mean, this is so basic and obvious, but I often miss it, which is this idea of, well, you just have to talk to her about a lot of these things. It's not Mm -hmm. so much figuring out in my head. Mm -hmm. And specifically, there were a couple of concerns I was going to raise. One is I had injured my neck in an ill-advised swimming expedition into the (laughs) rough waters of the Pacific, and then she never asked about it subsequently. And that Mm -hmm. felt weird. Another is that I'd sent her a script, and she hadn't read it or responded, and that Mm -hmm. felt weird. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we did talk. And the next thing I decided not to bring up because I realized that the circumstances around that were a little, um, I'd injured my neck, but then she left to go to her parents' house for like five days afterwards. And by the time she left, I did tell her my neck was starting to feel better. So I feel like that's understandable. You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, but the script thing was weighing on me. And it felt to me like, like, well, I sent her the script if she had sent me something similar, I would have read it not out of a sense of obligation, but because I would have wanted to read it. I would be curious about what she's come up with creatively. I'd be eager to offer any help and support I could. So my conclusion was that the fact that she hasn't read it means she hasn't wanted to read it. 
And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So when I brought that up to her, she, um, she said, no, it's not that. She said, honestly, I, when I came, when that came into my inbox, I was feeling so overwhelmed about so much work and so many projects I had that I almost started crying. And then she said, I forgot about it. And that's not a personal thing. She explained that that's a, something that just happens with her is she, if she doesn't, I think I've talked before, she's a big adherent to the idea of schedules and organization. And if something is not on her schedule, she just won't get to it. It's just the way mm -hmm. her brain works. It doesn't mean it's not important to her. And that if it's important to me, the way to deal with in the future is say, hey, this is important to me. When can you read it by? She'll say, I can read it by next Tuesday. It'll go in the schedule and it'll happen. Mm -hmm. And I felt good about that answer, not just because of the content of that answer, but it was reinforcing, again, this very basic idea that, oh, I don't have to figure out this stuff. I can talk to her about it. Yeah. And there may be an explanation that is totally outside of the conclusions my mind is jumping to, which, again, I think may be related to my somewhat anxious attachment style and, and hair trigger sensitivity to feeling not liked enough or rejected. The conclusions my mind tends to jump to are often negative. Mm -hmm. Oh, she doesn't like me enough. She doesn't care enough. This isn't important enough to her. Mm -hmm. So that that felt good in that conversation. And I won't recount the whole conversation. It was at times difficult, but ultimately we came out feeling like, okay, um, yeah, I felt good about it. One thing that did set me off a little bit in that conversation was her saying, you know, basically, hey, this is going to be a shift now as I'm spending time with Rob. I'm going to have less time for you. And what that provoked in me was kind of an, I'm going to call it an OCD type reaction where I started mourning the fact that we hadn't spent more time together when we could have. Mm -hmm. Because for the past three or four weeks before that, we were mostly living together, but pretty much every three or four days, I would feel like, hey, let's take a couple of days apart. And she was she was totally okay with that. But my sense is she also would have been okay with spending more time together continuously. And so my mind went into this sort of self-flagellation regret. Unfortunately, in front of her, like, oh man, I, sh I should have spent, basically I should have spent every possible minute I could have when I had you all to myself. And that was a huge mistake. And I'm never gonna get an opportunity like that again. And it's this very sort of, yeah, it's, it's this almost temper tantrum-y type thing I go into of like really regret and I say temper tantrum-y because it feels, there feels like there's something juvenile, this kind of refusal to accept reality. Mm. Like it's, it, there's an, it, it's a big no, like no, it's not okay that I didn't spend the time with you, I could have. And mm. I'm gonna beat myself up over it. Mm -hmm. So some of that came out, which I think was, uh, you know, was was maybe a little difficult for her to hold. But ultimately, the conversation ended feeling not great, but feeling like, okay, um, feeling a little bit a, a little bit better about things, definitely. Mm -hmm. And feeling like once again, that um, yeah, that that it felt workable. It felt like this this thing that I thought was this huge issue that she just doesn't care about me because she didn't read my script. No, it's not it's not a big deal. There's a specific reason. There's a way to work around that reason. And as long as we keep communicating openly and clearly, we can continue navigating this somewhat rocky path in front of us as she reintegrates Rob into her life. Mm -hmm. 
And um, yeah, so, and then we had, we had a couple of days together. That visit felt good. And then she wound up leaving. She wound up leaving a little bit early, um, which initially threw me off. I felt like she was supposed to be staying one extra day. And then she's like, listen, I really feel like I have to get back to my place and just kind of have some time to myself. And I had a somewhat negative reaction to that, but also very quickly realized, you know what, this is fine. It's not, it's not personal. I get that she needs time to herself. And then we saw each other again a few days ago. It was supposed to be three nights together. We went away to Point Reyes and it was difficult. Mm. From the beginning, it was, you've talked before about how she can sometimes be inconsistent in her affections. And that's a good way to put it is, you know, she has, as she says, she's the moodiest bitch alive. <laughs> and she gets into dark moods and she knows how to navigate them. But the way she navigates them is by, whereas when I'm suffering, I tend to talk a lot about it. She no. tends to, <laughs> some would say a podcast worth of vetching, <laughs> vetching. <laughs> she, she tends to not quite withdraw, but just not mm -hmm. talk about it. C kind of try to soldier through as best she can. Mm -hmm. But it's very, very clear to me when she's suffering, when she's, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we talked about this early on when we started cohabiting back in whatever, April, it was tough because whenever she was in a negative mood, I automatically took it as, oh, she doesn't like me that much. Yeah. And then gradually I learned to let that go and see it as, oh, Clara's going through one of her moods. I look at it like kind of like the weather. There's some clouds passing overhead for her and they'll pass and then there'll be sunshine again and then the clouds will come back and it's not, doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm. And I'd reached a place where I, I was, Certainly I enjoy her company more when she's in a good mood and being affectionate and effusive, but I really wasn't taking it personally when she wasn't that way. Mm -hmm. But this visit was tough. I hadn't seen her in a few days and she was in a, yeah, it just felt like, you know, so we're at Point Reyes and we're, we're hiking and I couldn't help feel like I'd rather be hiking alone. It just, it felt like we just weren't really connecting and, and it was painful and I can, I'm not going to go into, you know, the play by play. I have a tendency to do that. I am first and foremost, a storyteller, mm. but it was that first day in point raise was painful. And then that night we got back to our Airbnb and she was suddenly being very affectionate. And it was just such a clear contrast to me. It just felt so wonderful to bask in her love. Let's take the weather metaphor again. It's like it had been a cloudy day and I'd been outside with not enough clothing, shivering in, in the damp cold. And now suddenly the sun is breaking through and I'm just, yeah, I'm just reveling in it. It just felt wonderful. Mm. But the next day was another difficult. When I say difficult, there wasn't any overt conflict. It was just like, mm -hmm. yeah, just not was, really connecting. Was there an acknowledgement of that between you two during those times when you weren't really connecting? Um, the first day I, I brought up, you know, like, Hey, I can tell you're, you're struggling. And she was like, yeah. And I, is there any, you know, my ordinary thing, is there anything I can do? No, there, there's almost never been, a, I don't think there's ever been a time where that's where I felt like I could help her with her struggling, which mm -hmm. is maybe problematic for me in some ways, but we can get to that. But yeah, there, there were some acknowledgements. And it, 
it often though feels or felt this visit, and I think feels a lot. I mean, this visit was because we were essentially vacationing together, we were together 24 seven, whereas before when we were cohabiting, there'd be long periods of time where we're in the same house, but she's doing her work, I'm doing my work. And so it felt like a lot of it was just wanting to feel good, wanting her not being clear sometimes what's my feelings, what's her feelings, but just me not feeling good. And yeah, wanting wanting to feel good and wanting her to feel good and me monitoring her, her moods and yeah. yeah. And then our third day, we were both feeling a lot of anxiety and it really, um, I took a microdose of mushrooms and soon after, I mean, she was just clearly in so much evident distress mm. and, and, and she said, you know, I was trying to, to I, she, you know, cause I, I would say, do you want to talk about anything? And she'd say, no, it's, you know, it's just, you know, my, my own stuff. But I said that, that that day and she said, I mean, she was near tears at this point. She said, you know, I, I don't want to ruin your day. Which is not not a good sign, clearly indicating that there's stuff she has to talk about that she knows will be painful for me to hear. Mm. But at that point, I was so like feeling like, God, this just isn't workable the way it is. Like, I just don't want to feel the way I'm feeling right now. I don't want her to feel the way she's feeling. I don't know why this is so difficult. Are we fundamentally incompatible? Is it about Rob? Is it? And so, mm. so I said, you know, why don't I, why don't I just go for, a, let me go for a walk because I wanted to sort of collect myself a little bit, and. And then we can talk. And so I just walked down the beach for about 10 minutes. I came back and as I, as I was walking, as soon as I saw her, I saw that she was sobbing, mm. just really sobbing and clutching. She has stuffed animals that she really, I think really give her comfort. There's something very sweet and sort of pathos laden about that. And she was clutching her stuffed animal and sobbing. And it just, it killed me. I mean, she was just in such distress and and so I sat down with her and I, I think the first thing I said is I said, um, I, I don't remember what I said, but basically something like, I just don't want you to suffer like this, like whatever it is, like if this isn't working out between us, it's okay. You know, we can find other ways to relate. It doesn't, I just, yeah. And the first thing she said, so I said, tell me whatever it is, no matter how much you think it's going to hurt me, just tell me. And the first thing she said is she doesn't love nature the way I love nature. I fucking love nature more than anything in the world. For me, three days at Point Reyes is not nearly enough. And so through <laughs> sobs, she was saying like, it's just a lot for me being hi hiking and at the beach all day. And I, and I do it cause I, I, I want to be with you, but it's just a lot. And, <laughs> and so, I, and so I said, if that's, if that's the worst thing I said, first of all, that's fine. <laughs> Annie, my ex who we've talked about. Uh, she, she didn't like nature. That's not a deal breaker. And if that's the worst thing you're going to tell me, I think we're in for a pretty soft landing here. <laughs> and she laughed a little bit through her tears and but clearly it was not the worst thing she was going to tell me. And she said, you know, it's just so hard for me holding really big feelings for two people. And I just, I, 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 I I'm spending so much of my, my mind is taken up with these relationships. Meaning for you and Rob. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't want it to be like that because, you know, she's an artist, she's a poet, she's an actor, and she, she writes a lot and she needs a lot of alone time, and I do too. Yeah. And it, the balance had worked out well when it was just 
you know, we were cohabiting, but a lot of time alone. When it was basically her yeah. time was divided between her own time and Adam time, but now with Rob in the picture. I mean, I've often felt that that's, that's the main way that I know polyamory wouldn't work for me. It's not even... I don't... I don't know whether I could could or couldn't love two people. I don't I don't tend to have much jealousy. I don't worry about that much, but just logistically. Like I couldn't do I couldn't put in the work and the time to have two serious loves at the same time. It's a full-time job. Yeah, you know, I, I've parroted this this cliche which I believe that love is not a zero sum game. You know, you don't love you don't love your first son any less because you have a second daughter. Right. Time and energy are zero-sum games. Yeah, the the expression of love y- in your heart, I think it's not a zero-sum game, yeah. Yeah. but the expression of love is is um, yeah. There are trade-offs. Yeah, and so she's struggling with that in this moment. So she's really struggling with that, and she says, you know, and she's like, and I want to go back now. I don't want to stay. We're going to stay till sunset. And I'm like, it's fine. You know, whatever. I'm crying too at this point. I'm like this. Mm. And I and I'm saying, you know, yeah, this. And she and I say, you know, let's just take everything that feels pressuring to you right now. Just take it off the table because we were also supposed to go on another vacation a week later. Because essentially, my housing situation is such that I'm I'm staying with another relative who ordinarily Airbnbs her place out. So she's letting me stay here for free when she doesn't have Airbnb guests. So I periodically mm-hmm. need to clear out mm-hmm. just so people know it's not that my lifestyle affords <laughs> my currently unemployed <laughs> lifestyle affords frequent vacations. Uh, <laughs> All those stimulus checks are just riding high. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I said, you know, she, I sensing that that might be another, I said, you know, you don't, you don't have to go away with me next week. Like whatever we don't, there's no requirements here. This relationship can end. It doesn't have to be this way. I just, it just ha- it clearly has to change. And we talked more. And it's funny because, so from the beginning, she told me about Rob. We met in early January. And she said very clearly, we don't believe in hierarchies. It's not like Rob is my primary and other people are secondary. And I even clarified that subsequently. I said, are there any limits on our relationship? Mm-hmm. Meaning, is it practical limits? Like you can't go on vacation with my family because that's too intimate or emotional limits. Like you're not gonna let this get too deep because out of respect or consideration for your relationship with Rob. And her answer was no, there are no limits. Mm-hmm. And I think if she had said, yes, there are limits, I think I still would have gone forward with the, with the relationship, but I would not have opened my heart as unreservedly as I did. Yeah. And so I have, unquestioningly, I have felt like, yeah, I'm on equal footing with Rob. Clearly, I mean, I'm the one she's choosing to spend time with during the quarantine, albeit again, there were logistical reasons yeah. that worked in my favor and against him, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, she, and we're getting very close and it's very intense. But what emerged from these conversations, and she didn't know this when she answered that question about hierarchies, is that, yeah, there, it, she's seeing now that there is a hierarchy mm. and that Rob is effectively her primary partner. She's been with him for a year and a half. And, you know, I, I said, I said, do you, I mean, I was obviously vulnerable and I was, maybe there was a part of me that was trying to 
score points or, or make her feel bad. But I did want to know. I was like, do you love him more? And she said, I can't, you know, it's, I can't answer that. But it became clear that, yeah, she values that relationship more than she values our relationship. Mm. And when she said that, I mean, I, I, part of me, see, I wanted to say, Jordan, I felt devastated, but I don't know if I really did. One of the themes that keeps coming up in my own inner work and in our work is trying to discriminate between what comes from my head and what is really true in my heart. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because my head wants to say, oh, I was devastated. Oh, this was an awful blow. Oh, she should have been more honest with me. All this, this stuff. But I don't know, in my heart. I mean, yeah, of course, there was a feeling of loss, but also I don't know what this relationship is with her, which by which I mean, I don't know if I want or at this point, it's not like I'd, I'd seen like, oh, I'm going to spend my life with her necessarily. It was still early days. We, we've been together five months. So there was a reaction, but I don't know how much of it was a deep, true reaction in my heart versus kind of ego fear in the head. But yeah, obviously mm -hmm. hearing that someone who I thought I was a tied primary partner, uh, <laughs> tied that she league. cares, she effectively cares more about someone else than she does about me. Uh, in that moment, landed he heavily. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, to be fair, she didn't volunteer. Like I was kind of fishing because I was trying. I was kind of offering her a lot of outs. I wanted her to feel like free, like she could. Yeah. And so I, I said, you know, do you feel like a better, like going forward, do you feel like you want Rob to be your primary and me to be your secondary? And she said, through sobs at this point, yes. Mm. And I walked off alone on the beach to kind of, I did some writing about it. I did some prayer, some meditation. And the one thing that came to me very clearly is be positive, which is an odd thing for me, but I, I do have such a tendency to go into this sort of negative kind of tantruming, like, ah, oh, this is terrible. Mm. And I realized and I can see in my relationship with Clara and in life so many times where something seems terrible, my mind tells me something is terrible. And then I sit with it for a little bit and it actually is fine. Mm. And so I felt like, all right, this feels heavy now, but don't draw any conclusions and don't try to put this negativity out there. Cause that's the sort of tantrumy aspect that I often have where when I feel upset, if there is someone else around, that upset, and we've talked about this even a little bit in your and my dynamic, I think. Yeah, yeah. With if there's thing. someone around, it's this thing where I think I can I don't, be a little melodramatic or, or allow the upset to get bigger in some sort of what I think of as this kind of infantile thing of if I cry loud enough, mommy or Jordan or Clara will, will try really, really hard to make it better if I show them how distressed I am. This isn't a conscious thought on my part, but it sure. does feel like that. Yeah. And so I didn't want to do that. I wanted to kind of not try to make her feel bad because I don't think she's done anything wrong. This is, you know, we talked about that too. I said, did you, when did you know this? And she, it's just about Rob being primary and it's just becoming clear to her now. She said, when she met me, all she knew is that for the year and a half prior being with Rob, she'd never had strong feelings for anyone else. And when she met me, they were the same sort of feelings she had when she met Rob. She didn't know where it was going to go. She didn't know how she was going to feel in terms of Rob as those feelings for me developed. And so I am 
I'd love to report that I adhere to that. Not so by sorry to be clear by not being negative. I meant just kind of like, yeah, don't make it seem like this is a terrible thing. Don't be say like, oh, this can't work. Just kind of sit with the feelings. This was somewhat complicated by the fact that I was on a low dose of mushrooms. I said microdose, but it was more a small dose. It was like <laughs> a half gram. So things were, <laughs> yeah, not, not the optimal timing for dosing, though maybe it also made me more open in some ways because I did feel like, okay, yeah, don't decide what this means. Unfortunately, I didn't totally adhere to that. On the hour and a half ride home from Point Reyes, there were a few little passive aggressive comments I made as well as some genuine discussion. And what I said to her was basically, it's hard for me to, she said, like, I'm not concerned. She said, I'm not concerned. I know we can, we'll, we'll navigate through this. And I said, basically, well, yeah, that's kind of from your end. I wouldn't be concerned either if I were you, like you have Rob. And now you're basically saying, cause I asked her what, what is not being primary mean? And she, it seems like it's mostly a time thing. She wants to give more of her time to Rob and less of her time to me. Mm. So I was like, yeah, from your perspective, that seems like an easy thing to negotiate. But from my perspective, like it's a, feels like a pretty drastic shift. It sounds like a drastic shift from where things had been recently. Yeah. So I was saying that, yes. Yeah, so for you, it seems like this won't be too hard to like, we can definitely make this work, but it's kind of what I was kind of saying is I feel like short sure, for you. But for me, it's a more difficult decision because, yeah, accepting that someone who I thought was, I was, I thought I was tied for the most important person in your life. And now I'm not going to be the most important person in your life. And my impression had sort of been that you were, that you've been in a place in your life where you've been thinking more about things like commitment and building a life with someone and, um, starting a family with someone and um yeah, that's that, that well, it's been, interesting been a little on your mind recently yeah so we talked about this last episode that you just jogged my memory one of the other things that we had talked about last episode was she had said she considers me a partner and i wanted to bring up in my conversation with her what does that mean to you? Because it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like there's any real commitments or obligations to each other. It's not like, I, I think I'd say, it's not like we're helping each other with our taxes or. Yeah, it's so kind of interesting because that word is used so, I don't want to say loosely, but that, I, I like in the, in the Bay Area, almost in the name of just like taking out the hierarchy and like gendered nature of so many relationship defining terms, partner becomes very ubiquitous. And I think it's a beautiful way to describe someone you're with, but it can also, the more ubiquitous it comes, it's not, it's not exactly clear what it means in terms of the arrangement and the commitment, et cetera. Yeah. And so I brought this up to her and the way I brought it up to her. So again, we're now back a couple of weeks when she came back, I had this conversation um, with the same conversation where I said, you know, you didn't read my script. Why? I also said, you know, you talk about partnership and for me, I'm feeling a real call to help support each other and contribute more to each other's success. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's what you want, maybe because you're, and this is, you know, the elephant in the room here is she's 20 years younger than me. Yeah. And Rob is her age. And I, and I think that that could be part of this too. 
But I said, so maybe just because you're at a point, place in your life where you feel like you need to, you know, put more of your focus just on yourself. And she said, this was great. She said, yeah, but also like, what do you really mean when you say supporting each other? And I couldn't think of an example. I had these vague things like, well, you know, we could help each other creatively, but she kind of probed a little bit more. And as she did, I realized it was, it was uh, smoke and mirrors. It was a, it was a house of cards. Pick, pick your cliche. It didn't feel like I had a concrete idea of how I wanted to support her or how I wanted to be supported by her. And as we probe further, the conclusion that we both reached is that it was probably kind of a feeling of me trying to kind of lock her in a little bit more as I was feeling more insecure in some way, not lock in and like, she can't see Rob, but, but locked in, like, like we have more, we're tied together more. Cause I, I just couldn't think of what it actually meant. It's, it's a nice idea to say we support each other, but it, I couldn't point to ways that I wanted to be supported that I wasn't. Huh. I feel like I might be hearing something different in that exchange than what the takeaway you might have had. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to deepen your partnership with someone, but you're not expected to have like a step-by-step map for what that looks like. I mean, when people get married, they say they take broad sweeping vows. They don't say like, and on Sundays we will review our credit card bills for the week and help each other (laughs) rein in any excess spending and cancel subscriptions that no longer need to be kept. You know, it's like a, it's a metaphysical concept um, partnership. And I don't see anything wrong with keeping it in in the metaphysical domain. I think that's sort of a fallacy that it, that you're not talking about something real. If you can't pin down the X, Y, and Z of what you're wanting. Yeah. And I, I think that's sort of her point is that, yeah, this is a real partnership, but it's not like I can point to things that I want that I'm not getting. When I say deepen the partnership, what does that mean? And I did not, did not have an answer for that, but that's, which really did feel, go ahead. hmm. Yeah. But I mean, without an answer, what is it? It's, it's meaningless words to me. It really rang true. The conclusion again, that I reached, which was like, oh yeah, this is just kind of this general sort of ploy to try to feel some more security but, but it, there's nothing I, I behind like, it the term ploy is so pathologizing it's it does maybe it you're developing serious feelings about this woman and you're starting to have fantasies of like wow what if we built a home together but that's the point is that i wasn't i'm not 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 i'm not having those specific uh ideas uh-huh. that's 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 the thing is that i couldn't I, I genuinely couldn't come up with one thing of saying yeah i would like to build a home with you or i'd like to meet your parents or i'd like to yeah i i couldn't point to a single thing to that's that to say that what we currently what our partnership currently consists of i would like to add to yeah yeah let's keep going i just want to like I'm noticing that there could be a tendency for you to to get critical about yourself for wanting more from her. Like, oh, it's a, like the term ploy is so is, is kind of has negative connotations. Like you're trying to steal her away from Rob. It's like that's totally that sounds totally normal. Yeah, for sure. To want for sure. more of I, this I don't, person's I don't, time. 
I don't mean to pathologize it, um, and I'm, gl- I'm glad you pointed that out because I think I do have that tendency, absolutely. So let's take the pa- pathology out of it. The conclusion, though, still remains for me that I can't point to things that I want that I'm not getting right now in the partnership other than potentially more time. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing of, you know, now I'm going to be getting less time. So anyway, that was our last conversation a couple okay. of weeks ago. Yeah. In this now, now it's clear that I am going to be getting less time if I choose to stay in the relationship. Yeah. And so that was what, uh, yeah, that was two days ago when I last, when I last saw her and we had this conversation about Rob being her primary and getting more of her time and energy and her position being like, this is totally workable and me being like, I don't know. And I, I said a couple of reasons. One, just, I don't, one thing I said is I don't want to, it feels like it could be a form of unkindness to myself if it feels like I am, basically, if there's some sort of inequality, if it feels like I, again, this old thing, if I like her more than she likes me, if I'm if I'm into her more than she's into me, I, I don't want to be, getting scraps as it were yeah two though i also don't want to feel again like there's limits in the relationship are there now limits at this point are there limits in how you know how much she'll open her heart and she waffled a bit about that not because i think she was trying to you know say something that she thought i wanted to hear just because i think she hasn't contemplated these questions before this is all new and and she came down on the side of no she doesn't feel like there are limits other than the pragmatic limit of spending less time with me. And, but still it felt like a pretty drastic shift. And in the last two days, in the last, yeah, it's been less, it's been less than 48 hours since, uh, since I said goodbye to her, I felt my, my feelings have evolved a lot. I mean, that first night was really painful after she left. I woke up in the middle of the night, like, crying which has never really happened before Mm. just feeling Mm. real terror and anguish Mm. no no content to it not thinking about her just feeling like this but this terrible feeling of loss Mm. then yesterday you and i talked on the phone and my feeling yesterday was like yeah i don't i don't know if this is workable but my sense is probably not partially because i do have this hair trigger sensitivity to feeling rejection or not not being liked enough and it seems like this is very, uh, you know, fertile territory for that. The, it's, you know, knowing that there's someone else more important in her life, how, how does that not feed that? But today, I, I'll give myself credit. Instead of really going into reactivity yesterday, I continued to try to just, this is such a new agey broad term, but try to practice positivity. When I found myself going into resentment, which for me would often assume the form of these imaginary conversations with her, kind of saying things to her like, you know, put yourself in my shoes, this is really difficult. I would just try to redirect my thoughts. Not that I have to invalidate that, but recognizing that with my advanced age, I turned 46 a week ago, I've developed something that sometimes can feel a tiny bit like wisdom in that I know to feelings change. And especially when you've gotten like a big, big piece of news, like he, the informational download like she gave me about not being the primary, got to sit with that for a while and see where things land. Yeah, yeah. And as I have meditated and written and just lived my life over the last 40 hours or so since I heard that, 
I've been feeling more and more like, yeah, this is workable. It doesn't, I know what we had before wasn't workable. I know things seemed workable for the time we were living together exclusively. And then the last few weeks as she's been reuniting with Rob has felt increasingly unworkable. And part of that has been my own insecurity being triggered. But I think a big part of that has been her being a lot of distress and feeling overwhelmed with these relationships. And that in turn has made it so that our time together hasn't been that pleasant because she's been in a difficult place. Mm-hmm. I said something to her on the car ride home. I said, you know, I'm going from primary to secondary. That's that's a pretty big downgrade. And she said, actually, it'll probably feel like an upgrade to you because hmm. it'll be more like when I'm with you, I'm really with you and I'm really excited to be with you. Mm-hmm. And I'll dress up and I'll do my hair and I don't particularly care about that <laughs> stuff, but it'll. But she does care about that stuff and it'll be more of a special thing. So my overall feeling now is like, yeah, this last few weeks have not been working. And if the effective, like I can say, oh, it's gonna hurt so much not being the most special. But I don't know if that's true. That's a mind thing. It may also be a heart thing, but I can't say for sure. I think it'll probably hurt somewhat, but I don't know how overwhelming those feelings will be of jealousy or an insecurity. And the pragmatic change of us spending less time together if I separate out the insecurity, because see, the thing is, as for someone who, who tends towards insecurity in a relationship, having someone there as much as I want her is very reassuring. It's kind of a very blunt instrument approach to eliminating the insecurity. I'm just going to pause because there's a dog barking. Can you hear the dog barking? No. Okay. All right. It's probably one of my auditory hallucinations. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> That was a joke for our listeners. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, never, never had, never had hallucinations. Rarely, even on psychedelics, which is disappointing. But that's another subject. <laughs> so, it's so a, there's a it's, feeling. It doesn't really happen with psychedelics. It's a, it's a common right, misconceptions. Well, even ayahuasca, though, I don't get, I, I don't get, I don't get visions. Right. Um, but yeah, to the, to the point of where I'm feeling, what I'm feeling now is the fact of spending less. So yeah, spending, having her there as exactly as often as I want her, which is a lot, kind of, it's almost like an artificial way to avoid the feelings of insecurity, but that wasn't going to be our life forever. And yeah, so, and it was too, and it was too much. At times it was too much. And so this idea of maybe, and I don't know what it's going to be. It, is it, we see each other twice a week or something? My sense is it's probably like that. And I don't think she'll have an answer. I think we feel it out, but seeing her a good deal less inherently doesn't feel bad. I'm someone who likes to be alone a good deal of the time and appreciates, yeah, solitude. I think the challenge could more be of, oh, it, it, it gives more play to me feeling insecure when she's not here a lot of the time, especially when I know she's with another lover, a now primary lover. But I don't want to throw in the towel based on my mind telling me that it's going to be really difficult to deal with this insecurity and jealousy because my mind tells me a lot of things. That's the nature of OCD. My mind lies to me constantly. Mm -hmm. It lies because it's trying to protect me. It's not my enemy. And so I think in this case, it's trying to protect me by saying, hey, this is going to be really difficult and painful, Adam. You should just pull the plug right now. And it may be really difficult and painful, and I may have to pull the plug, or she may pull the plug. But... I feel like all things considered, if what we're ultimately talking about is spending somewhat less time together, that that seems like 
that could work very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a wanting to draw conclusions right now, but ultimately a recognition that you just got to see how this next chapter goes. Yeah. And the biggest, the biggest thing, the biggest reason why I want to stay with it is I'm learning so much. I'm seeing so much about myself, particularly this insecurity, but so many other things, tendencies towards passive aggression that I had no idea I had. Mm. Um, this whole sort of, you know, going into negativity, like things that I didn't see the forest for the trees, basic things mm. about the way my mind operates are being thrown into relief and they're changing. That's the amazing thing. Mm. Partially through prayer has been very powerful for me. Meditation. I'm seeing these things shift. I'm seeing myself start to let go of these patterns that have been so deeply entrenched. I wasn't even aware they were there. Mm. So that in and of itself is is enough reason to stay with it but also i do i do love her it is a a special connection and i feel like i can get a lot out of it in this reduced form which ultimately may not be reduced or may be reduced only in time not in depth and not in enjoyment and connection yeah i think the the question that keeps coming up for me is and maybe this, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm aware of not wanting to like be forcing some value or goal on you or something, but I keep feeling curious of like, has, is among the things you're learning through this relationship, have you been thinking about what type of life you want or what type of relationship you want, you know, over the next number of years or Yeah. Do you want to build a house with someone? That sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to close the window because these dogs are barking in my head very loudly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have I given thought to that? You know, I think one reason why I feel okay about the shift is, yeah, I think I'm starting to intuit that I might want more of a partnership than I feel like I could have with Clara. Mm -hmm. And I can't quite say why, but she is, um, well, yeah, maybe it comes down to certain things I want that I'm not sure she can give me, which I want, want to talk about. But to answer your question, no, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I like the, I, I've always, not always, but since I've had nephews and nieces, I've felt strongly that I want to have kids. But as I get older, I feel like that may not happen, and I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I do want to have a deep, supportive partnership. And yeah, I mean, maybe what you were picking up on earlier, there's something there where it's like, maybe I do have a sense that that's... Uh, I'm referring to me bringing up, you know, hey, I want to deepen this partnership and her saying, what does that mean? And me saying, I don't know. You know, she's still, this brings up something where I feel like a lot of the concerns I have don't have that much to do with this sudden change in the relationship. There's always been, or for a long time, been this sense of this feeling sometimes of insecurity of, of, does she like me enough? And she's introduced me to the concept of love languages. Are you familiar with that? 
Like, yeah, not it's like not five supposedly. Yeah, there's there's you know physical touch, touch acts of service. Yeah. Anyway, one of them is verbal affirmation. Yeah. And I think that's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not a big one for her. Her. And I think one thing that's been tricky is early on in the relationship, she was super super effusive, and she still is sometimes, but. Yeah. But often, you know, so when, when we were having the sobbing conversation on the beach, I said, I said, you know, it just feels like a lot of the time, I said, I don't know why you're with me a lot of the time, because it just feels like you don't like me. And she said, she said, no, I like you immensely. That's why I do these things, like go on these hikes that I otherwise wouldn't choose to do, because I like you so much. And one thing that came up my journaling today was this feeling of like, yeah, I would do well with someone who gives me a lot more verbal affirmation. But then I wonder if maybe my desires there are unrealistically high because it's not like she doesn't give me verbal affirmation and she's almost never critical. It's just like, it's, I would like more of it, but maybe so Part of me could say, yeah, I do better with a partner who gives me more verbal affirmation. But part of me feels like, mm, yeah, may, maybe those, maybe that would be hard to find that. And maybe it's really more about my own work, which is clear that there's still a lot of my own work in terms of this deep sense of, of insecurity, of not being liked enough. I mean, the fact is a lot of people would say, yeah, she's going on vacation with you to a place she doesn't particularly want to go. Clearly, she likes you, but for me, the silence during the hike is, yeah, she doesn't really like me. Well, I get, yeah, and talking about love languages, I mean, we're talking about the mechanics of expressing something inside and making you feel seen and loved and taken care of in a in a given moment. But I think there's clearly a much bigger dynamic unfolding between the two of you right now than just sorting out the compatibility or incompatibility of your love languages there is a fundamental question about the the potential future or not potential future of this relationship and my question for you is do you want are you uh, yeah have you come into recognition that you want a committed relationship that will deepen and last years and years and years and where you'll be a primary with someone or are you not feeling like you need that. I'm not sure, but I feel like I'm leaning towards that for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah I'm leaning towards like, that. Re- it sounds like that potential has been seriously diminished in a way with Clara in the last couple of weeks. And that's, uh, again, not to, I know you're sort of wondering mm, yeah. how should I feel? Am I feeling this way? Is it a head thing or a heart thing? But I could, I could well imagine that feeling like a big loss with her. And the, again, we get to the head heart thing. It's hard for me to tell what's real sometimes, but so I could be in denial about it, but it also feels like maybe there's a little part of me that it feels like a bit of a relief because there's something about this woman that scares me and maybe it'll, that'll be true of every woman who I have deep feelings for, but there's still a part that doesn't feel totally safe. Right. And the thought of having a little bit, dialing it back a little bit. Yeah. There's something that's appealing about that. Well, I think 
I think this sort of came up in our last episode. You know, I think maybe there's a way in which you were starting to know that. Um, with respect to her, that she wasn't going to be able to be what you need, give you what you need. Um, you know, and we could like try to chalk that up to love languages or this or that, but it's much, it's a much more ephemeral thing than that. Encompassing what do you mean so by many, ephemeral? Well, it encompasses so many different variables. It's like maybe she would be, maybe she could be the same exact person with the same exact love language, but in 10 years she'd be she'd be able to give you what you need, you know? So right, her right. life stage has something to do with it. Her personality, sure. her love language, your love language, your personality, your needs, you know, we're, I, I, we're not going to be able to reduce it, uh, and pin down the factors, but it's, but there's some, there has been a, my sense is there's been a growing recognition in you in the last month or so that there even is before a, she reunited with Rob, even before she reunited with Rob. Yeah. yeah. I think there was a, a sense that, it was, um, yeah, there was a way in which she wasn't going to be able to, to be that person for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. There has been some of that sense. And then sometimes there's a feeling of, I come back to, well, you know, you don't know and don't try to draw conclusions. Yeah. I want to go back and to then, what you s- said of, yeah. she scares you. Cause that sounds really rich. I think I've said this before, maybe not quite in stark terms, but there's something about her that I feel it's the, again, I think it may be me and I might have this with anyone with deep feelings, but it's, it feels like I don't feel despite a lot of evidence to the contrary. I, it's what I said at the beginning. Sometimes I feel like she doesn't like me and that's scary. Mm Mm-hmm. It's scary to feel like I have these feelings for this person, and yeah, it's it's I I it's it's some old thing. I I I can't go further with language, but it's no. there's a feeling of it not being totally safe, and there's an imagining that I could find someone who I would feel more totally safe with, but that may be bullshit. I don't know. See, one of the yeah. things is because it's been so long since I've had any sort of committed, because this is a committed relationship. It's not an exclusive relationship, but yeah. there is a commitment to each other. <clears throat> it's been so long since I've had that, that I can't really remember. Like, d- did I feel... And of course, the the non-exclusive nature can contribute maybe to that insecurity. Sure, yeah. And that, and there may be a lot of it may be that. Maybe if the frame of this whole relationship was monogamy... It would, it would feel very different. I don't know. Maybe, but again, yeah, we're sort of on the head level. I think when we're saying maybe if it was like this, it would be like this, or maybe it's the circumstance or or age, or maybe it's me, maybe it's my work, maybe it's her. You know, when we're trying to really pin it down and like sketch the parameters like that, we're 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 you know in the domain of the head. And I think what's important to stay with is this feeling that comes up when she's like, I want to dive further into that. This feeling that comes up with you when she's, you've been feeling connected and then she, you sense that her mood has changed and and she's no longer. The word that comes to mind for me is like, she's no longer accessible to you. She kind of goes away into herself. And I think that gets really, 
hard for you? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that is, you might've hit the nail on the head there. Maybe it's less about monogamy versus polyamory. Maybe it's, is that that is, I think just the way it will be with her. I certainly, every sense I have is that's the way it is with her and Rob and that she, she is someone who is subject to these strong moods that she's worked heroically to learn how to get through, but they still come on a pretty regular basis. But as she says, you know, if, if she, you know, she's like the good thing, the bad thing is she's has these moods very frequently. The good thing is it's usually a matter of hours and then it passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the sense I got is that the reason it's been more frequent and prolonged recently is because she's felt so much pressure and tension between by, by trying to hold these two relationships with me yeah. and with Rob. Yeah. Say a little more about the feelings that come up for you in those moments. The stuff you've, because it seems like you've been learned, having a lot of strong experiences and learning a lot about some of your reactions. Yeah. I mean, the worst is, the worst is the feeling of talking to Phil's space. Mm. Talking just to say stuff because the silence is painful. And, you know, part of this, Jordan, also is sometimes I feel like, yeah, maybe we're just not that compatible in a lot of ways. Yeah. Intellectually. And that's an, old, that's an old, old story for you, that term. It is. And, and I also feel like I have an appreciation now of how I can have vital feeding, giving relationships without this perfect compatibility. And yes, it is an mm-hmm. old thing. And it can also be an OCD perfectionism thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. we're not, of course, there's not firing <laughs> on all cylinders at all times. Right, exactly. And I think she's leery of that. She sees that with me where she'll say, like, so the, this last visit when she came to my, my place to pick me up, I assumed it was going to be passionate making out because it always has been before and it wasn't. And I, as we were having these frank conversations, you know, two days ago, I mentioned how that was jarring for me. And she said, well, you know, that's independent of what's going on now. That's the way it's going to be sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, part of, part of the big learning here for me in this relationship has been this surrendering again and again, these kind of like these little deaths, I would call them of like, oh, I'm not quite having the experience I want to have with this person right now. Mm. These little disappointments because for so, because having been, I mean, I've had lovers, but having not been in a real relationship in so long, man, the relationship, the relationships I've had in my head, Jordan, they've been perfect. <laughs> they've been perfect. <laughs> Every line I've said has been brilliant. Every line she said has been, you know, it's Passion, so the reality. 24-7. Yeah, exactly. There's never in my, the relationships in my head, I've never felt like, oh, I need a little bit more space. That's never come up. <laughs> So it's felt like a process of growing up a little bit like, oh, this is real life and it's wonderful in ways I didn't imagine, but it's certainly also painful in ways I didn't imagine. Yeah. The little death, that's a really, I I really like that term because it, because it's, it's a little thing. There's just these little moments of disconnection, but it can feel horrible. And I, I, I totally can relate to that. 100%. 100%. Something is dying. Some fantasy. Yeah, some like ideal. we're in the car, we're in the car driving somewhere and there's nothing to say. Oh, we have we have nothing to say. She's boring or I'm boring or yeah, this isn't going no anywhere. This is 
oh, and it can feel, it feels like a really big deal in the moment. A really, it feels like an emergency sometimes for me in those moments. Yeah. And this, incidentally, I think is part of the argument for polyamory is that you get different things from different people and relationships can ebb and flow and you love different people in different ways. And you might have one person where it's a really, you know, really deep intellectual connection. Someone else, it's more of a, a lot of verbal affirmation and loving each other. And so, yeah, it's so tricky. It's such a, and again, not that I'm any sort of expert on the matter, very far from it, but it strikes me as such a delicate balance because yes, of course, uh, there's, that sounds beautiful. The, the recognition that you're not going to get everything from everybody. And that is a very important for thing for for all adults to recognize in their relationships and not try to force someone to be everything for them but at the same time running away from polyamory could be a way to try to hide from the mourning of that reality Um, yeah 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 and it has its yeah one of the that's one of the most important things one can do in therapy is is access mourning and grief and there's a yeah you know a, one of the most famous uh essays that freud ever wrote is called mourning and melancholia and it's i haven't read it in a long time but it's basically about that like oftentimes before you can heal grow you know have a breakthrough or something there's s- symptoms depression anxiety might be covering over a mourning that needs to happen yeah before we can fully confront and get square with reality we have to mourn something yeah and i and i feel like you know i developed ocd because i was unable and unwilling to mourn the loss of i can't remember if we used a pseudonym before um annie Annie, is that what we've said before? I think we've used Annie. Her real name is super close to that. So I, um, <laughs> I thought right, you used well, that in the mushroom cure. I did use that in the mushroom cure. But yeah, yeah so probably I used that here. So yeah, with Annie, I mean, that was 17 years ago, that relationship ended and I developed OCD in the aftermath because rather than feel the feelings in my heart, I went into my head and tried to figure everything out. Yeah. And so, yeah, moment to moment with Clara to answer your question in those moments where she is, I love the word you used, inaccessible to me. Yeah, there's a, there is absolutely a feeling of, of mourning. And, and oftentimes that can be followed by a feeling of inssecurity and a desire to fix it by talking, yeah, by understanding what's going again. on with her. Yeah. Which is understandable. Connection feels wonderful with this woman. Of course I want that. Yeah. But part of part of the game with this particular woman may be and I and I had again felt that reached a place of more acceptance with the fact that, yeah, this is just the way it's gonna be. But again, that was when we were living together where it was like, okay, if she's in a state like this, I just go and do a podcast with you, or I go for a walk, or I, yeah. I write, or I answer emails versus being on a vacation with her so but overall it does make me feel like that's one of the things that i think may make me feel like yeah i don't know about the long-term partnership potential here because it's hard for me to feel that disconnection but again i think you have that with every relationship to some degree you do you do 
Yeah, this is a this is a thing that affects you and I more than a lot of people, I think. Or maybe not, but I just mm-hmm. I don't know many people as well as I know you and I. Yeah. Um but I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, like I'm and I've certainly gotten better about this and grown over the years, but I remember when I was in my last serious relationship, which was a while ago, there could be moments where like we'd get in a fight. And not even not even a big fight, but just a, a fight. And I would go to a place in my head of assuming that the relationship was over. And then, yeah, you know, maybe we'd check in after, and I would like kind of sheepishly say that that I had, you know, we'd we'd make up, and I would like sheepishly say that that that's sort of where my head had gone. And my girlfriend would be like, "That's fucking crazy! Like it it was just yeah. a fight. I didn't think that for a second. <laughs> Like that didn't even enter my mind. It's a fight. You have a fight and you and you work it out. But for me, it's like a five alarm fire. And, you know, this is a peculiarity of our neurotic minds. Yeah, I relate to that. Uh, not the specific circumstances of, of but the, the idea of, yeah, any little thing feels like uh i can't i can't do this this is this is a this is a problem this is a problem rather than this is just kind of the ebb and flow of this relationship and it will pass and i and i do know it will pass and i tell myself it'll pass but it is it can be acutely painful in those moments so so i guess a general thing in terms of the partnership question and clara's and my specific partnership potential independent of rob is yeah i and I, I don't know because of that feeling insecure and because of maybe the interaction between her being inaccessible and my hair trigger insecurity and maybe because it's still relatively new. I mean, it's, we're five months in. I don't have to know. Yeah. I, but yeah, you're learning, you're, you're learning a lot and you're seeing this in yourself and yeah, it may well be that, uh, being the secondary in a polyamorous relationship is not the kindest thing you can do to yourself if you're looking for a committed long-term relationship. You know, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know because it's not clear to me that I think that is ultimately what I'm looking for. But I think, I think first of all, this advances that even if it doesn't happen with Clara. I mean, I've learned more about how I am in relationships totally. yeah. in the last five months than I've literally probably learned in the last 15 years. That's like, I, I've, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've no, yeah. And and I've, I've never, not, yeah. Like the, the juice may not have run out of this relationship right. or may not there's, for years. Well, who knows? Or maybe you, yeah, I don't want so, yeah, to force a reality that. onto you. I did want to, I, I did want to say one thing though. You were talking about you fighting with your girlfriend. And so I guess, so I, I'm going to talk my, my conversation, which I think I'll have tomorrow with Clara is generally basically what I've just said that, you know, yeah, it's not clear to me that this is a major problem. Let's, let's see how it goes. But I, I do have a couple of specific concerns and one of them is more than once in recent days as we've had difficult conversations she's brought up in the last couple of weeks how just her standards for relationships have changed radically thanks to Rob because it's such a great relationship. She had somewhat unhealthy relationships and with Rob, it's been super healthy. And my sense is that they just really 
have never had any significant conflict in a year and a half together. Mm. And I've bristled sometimes when she said this, when it's in the context of her and I having a difficult conversation, because it feels like I'm sort of being compared and found lacking. And it also mm -hmm. feels like a little threatening. Like it, at times it's felt like she's saying basically, hey, a lot of this may just be the way I'm receiving it, but it's felt a little bit like she's saying, hey, I'm not down for, well, she has said this, like a difficult, heavy relationship. She said to me, you know, more than once, you know, people say relationships are difficult, but actually I don't accept that. I don't think they should be difficult. Mm -hmm. And so I want to bring this up because I feel like, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what I want to say, but obviously I don't want her to be comparing me to, like this is a different, I'm different, he's different, and ultimately I also don't want to feel, like I don't want a heavy, difficult relationship. That's part of the other painful thing is over the last couple of weeks, a lot of our time together has been spent talking about our relationship and trying to navigate yeah. these, what I think are very tricky, <laughs> you know, very, very tricky changes. I think sometimes she may not realize how tricky they are for me. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. I could be wrong, but certainly they're tricky for me. So my view is that, yeah, what's happening has been very, very tricky and painful at times. And unavoidably, there's been some friction between us and some misunderstanding. And I don't want it to be like that perennially. If it is, then I, I would throw in the towel. But by the same token, I don't want to feel like any sign of conflict is like I, if, if the standard is conflict is bad and we shouldn't be having conflict, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, that's a problem. And I don't think that is her standard, but I, I want to be clear about it. And you see, as I'm saying this, Jordan, this is one of these tricky things because I can sense this little, a little part of me that kind of wants to get in little digs, score little points by making it clear to her that, hey, you know, you're putting me through something challenging here. Give me some credit. And those are the sort of resentful negative thoughts that I, I want to get away from even in my own head because I feel like. But. I uh, just, the, the that tone, is not, the emotional that, tenor of those thoughts, I don't think they serve me. I but don't the think they emotional, serve her. But the emotion, look at the emotion behind that thought. The way you just expressed it, sure, that's that's a dig. But the emotion behind that thought could be expressed as, hey, I'm just feeling really vulnerable right now because I just got demoted to second place and I have really strong feelings for you and I have a little hurt around that and I, I just need you to recognize that, that this is kind of hard for me right now. And I think she does. But I think maybe I want to go a step beyond that and say, "You're a piece of also, shit." <laughs> <laughs> you, you harlot! Uh, <coughs> excuse me. You want to go um, a step beyond? And, and yeah, and just be like, I I don't want to feel like it's a double whammy when I'm feeling stuff that I need to share with her. I don't want to feel like one, I'm holding these difficult feelings, and two, if I share these difficult feelings, that may push her away, or she may feel like this is a problem. Because I think it's safe to say that as we navigate this, you know, she 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 said sometimes it feels like kind of like yo-yoing in recent weeks, because there'll be these times where I'll feel things will feel very dark. 
And then a couple of hours later, after I think about it and process things, I'll be like, you know what? It's actually totally fine. Yeah. And it's yo-yoing to her. But to me, what it is, is actually a sign of how I'm developing because what's happening is these old tendencies are coming up, but then I'm sitting with them a little bit and I'm getting some clarity and I'm realizing, oh, this isn't actually that big a deal and I'm letting it go. Yeah. And so that's all to say that I feel like that will probably continue. There will almost certainly be times when I will feel vulnerable and hurt and maybe rejected. And, and I may want to bring that up with her. Yeah. And I say may, cause she said something to me when we were having a conversation, a difficult conversation recently where I was, I was unclear. I was talking about generally feeling very vulnerable around her, but I also was unclear how much I had to do with her, how much I had to do with changing circumstances with Rob and also how much has to do with the climate now, the, the meaning the pandemic, the fact that all the things that give me excitement and joy, not all of them, but a lot of them live performance, as well as meeting other women from shows that's always how I meet women is shows and dance parties. Those aren't happening. So I also felt like, well, maybe part of what I'm feeling now would not be as present under ordinary times. And so yeah. I was sharing this with her, but also sharing, I don't really know quite what's going on. And she said, not in a critical way of me, but she said, you know, sometimes what I find helpful is when I'm feeling feelings related to a partner is just wait 24 hours to share them. Mm-hmm. And that might be something that's helpful for me. You know, I, I don't want to feel like I'm suppressing things, but I also don't want to feel like I'm relying on her for reassurance when sometimes it's my own work. Totally. I think that over the course of one's life and within the context of any relationship, there's an ongoing calibration process of answering that question. Like, is this a thing that I need support around right now from this person that I need to share? Or is this a thing? Is this a keep it to yourself kind of thing? Is this a work on it inside or work on it or get support around it from a friend or from a fake therapist? Um, and, you know, I want you to have a lot of compassion for for the messiness of that process and not... Yeah, don't like hold yourself. I I don't I'm not reacting well to what to this idea that I'm hearing you know secondhand that she expressed to you and I'm hearing it through you that like things with Rob are so easy like yeah, wink wink better be easy with you Adam cuz that's you know, maybe that doesn't work for you. I hate to break it to you Adam Strauss, but like you're the kind of guy who's always who's always gonna thrive in relationships where there's like there's all you're gonna need you're gonna need partners who are willing to like really go toe to toe with you and and go to the mat and that's just who you are and what you need. And but it's also yeah, go ahead. I have to say though, I feel like it can it is to some degree circumstantial because. When she moved in with me in whatever it was, uh, I think it was early, mid-April, we had zero conflict for basically six weeks or so until six or seven weeks until Rob started re-entering the picture. Yeah, there of was, course. There was fear on my part, obviously, as you know about, and there, but there was not – yeah, so I feel like I, – I agree. I feel like I'm probably not going to be in a year-and-a-half relationship and be like, we haven't had a single fight. And part of me, when she when she says that too, is I I feel like a 
it's been, and I think she also acknowledged this a little bit, it's been relatively easy circumstances and, and uncomplicated circumstances for you and Rob. You've effectively been monogamous and falling in love. And and B, um, there's, I don't know, like I said, I really don't know Rob at all, but you know, that the, <laughs> the lack of conflict does not necessarily, doesn't mean that there isn't conflict. The lack of verbalized conflict may may be that he doesn't talk about things. This, I, I, I don't, yeah, who knows? I don't know who him. Knows? There's no, who knows? But I, I guess, I guess what I feel like is the conflict that's arising now feels largely as a result of these changing circumstances and insecurities that have been triggered. So I don't feel like it has to be a perennial feature of my relationship with Clara, but I do acknowledge that I'm an intense person. I feel things strongly. And also let's be honest, I have a uniquely strong orientation towards saying things out loud that most people don't. I mean, who else is putting their therapy sessions on a podcast <laughs> a weird fucking thing so yes. my default when i'm say, feeling something and i do this on stage and stand up i'm a verbal processor you know, I hate to, yeah i hate to be this guy who's like oh what everyone else is thinking i have the balls to say because it doesn't even feel like balls it feels like i have to i don't know why yeah. i've always had this this maybe it's some existential loneliness maybe there's something whatever the reason is <laughs> i i like to call out how i'm feeling yeah and so yeah, I think I need to address that with her. Well, I think I mean I really want to come back to that more in the future and like turn turn that over because I think why I yeah. why I feel the need to to yeah. to share everything from from whence cometh the existential loneliness driving your <laughs> driving your need to verbally process so much and and that's not to pathologize it because I you know clearly I share it to some degree and I've. And I've been in relationships. I've dated. I've dated people where I can tell we've we've sort of acknowledged together that there's an incompatibility there, and that I yeah. If we're on the car trip and I'm feeling weird, I want to talk about it. Like I want to just be like, hmm, yeah, we're really connected right now, huh? And you know, I became a fucking therapist. Like that's. <laughs> That's what therapy is. You want to you, you want to talk about it. <laughs> that's I want to talk about it, and not that's everyone does it. That's fine. That's fine. Like there's some people who are just like I'd rather not talk about it and see if it passes in an hour. And there is absolutely yeah. a time and a place for that. And both you and I definitely have more growth available to us in that domain of getting more comfortable right. metabolizing things inside of us just like and that that is a muscle that you strengthen over time and i have seen you strengthening it in the last several months of where yeah something that you might have needed to talk about with her that would eat you up for a day or that you would yeah need to talk to me about you know increasingly you're able to go take an hour and sort of chew it's like digestion metaphors are very apt for therapy and there's a, a very famous psychoanalyst wilfred Bion, who that was one of his main things was using the metaphors of digestion and metabolism to apply to the therapy situation and that's what it is and and that's a skill that's a, that's a strength that can be deepened over time the ability to like nope just run it through your gut and oh i actually didn't need to talk to her about that but I also think it's a beautiful thing that you're a verbal processor. Yeah, it um, 
I mean, maybe it would be good if I was a little bit less of a verbal processor, given the length of most of our podcast episodes. <laughs> but as you're saying this, though, it is, it's what something obvious is occurring to me, which is that, yeah, that is a fundamental difference between her and I. She digests on her own. And, and that may have to do with the fact that she's, you know, struggled with depression and has learned that often. You know, this is, this is something that's also somewhat difficult for me, is I really... I feel like, yeah, I don't ever feel like there's a moment where I've really helped her. That's not true. There's been a few, but rarely. When she's struggling, it's her own thing. And yeah. and I'm a problem solver. I'm a fixer. Yeah. So that's, not that that's her deep relationship incompatibility, because ultimately I think being a fixer and actually trying to fix someone in a relationship just probably can... can can go off right. the rails the, too, but because that gets into that gets into like very gender stereotyped relationship dynamics, where it's like the man wants to fix something. Sure, you know, there's yeah. like that. There's a funny internet video of uh, it's a it's a couple on a couch, and the woman has a nail in her forehead. I don't know if you've ever seen this. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's really funny. You should watch it. The woman has a nail sticking out of her forehead, and they're sitting on the couch, and she's like. I just like, I feel so off. I don't know what it is. Like my head hurts. I just, and the boyfriend's like, you have a nail sticking out of your forehead. She's like, don't try to fix it. Just like, <laughs> let me talk. I just, I just need, to, you're always trying to fix everything. He's like, but there's a nail and it's sticking out of your forehead. <laughs> it's really funny. But I, but I don't think, I, I think that cheapens, that cheapens, um, your offering to say you're like a fixer. I think you're a connector. Yes, but I, yes, I am. And I think per, per that video, I've not seen it, but it would help. It would be very helpful for me if Clara was the sort of person who's like, I want to talk about things, even if she doesn't want to talk about the nail, but she doesn't, there's the inaccessibility at those times. She's yeah. not saying, I think I feel off because my sister yelled at me, even though I know there's a nail in her head, she's saying nothing. She's just giving me a kind, a kind of a forced half smile. Yeah. And I'm talking about the uh, incorporation of Point Reyes National Seashore to fill silence in our conversation. <laughs> Congress initially allocated $13 million, but they could only buy half of the park. And, <laughs> and you know, I want to continue tracing the dynamics in your mind and in your history that that she is bumping up against like what algorithm in your mind is getting triggered by the silent by her silence by the silent lover the silent woman attachment figure because clearly there's a there's I mean, a resonance I would ask, with your, you know, with your, as you were saying, your, yeah. your thing of um, like upping the ante and expressing a lot of emotion and distress at times when you really need to be seen and the big fights that you had with your mom and some of the stuff between you and I that we've talked about where, yeah, this, um, so there's like a, and that's how relationships always go is like one person fits perfectly into the other person's little pockets of pain and neurosis and they trigger each other and drive each other crazy. So I just want to keep tracking those. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you just kind of, that's how relationships always go. Relationships, relationships in your mind are, 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 are a, a linking of, of neuroses. And we always find people triggering back and forth. Well, yeah, no, that's a simplification, but we, I, I think human humans have an uncanny way of f 
winding up in relations with people that like uniquely uniquely um you know trigger them or kind of fit into like puzzle pieces into their own pockets of wounding and pain from you know we've talked about this before like the classic example being someone who had a horrible abusive parent of some sort or the other and then goes on to marry like a string of people just like that horrible abusive parent um yeah it's this just like uncanny repetition pattern that people have yeah and on the surface it doesn't i mean this certainly was not a pattern that uh my mother displayed my father maybe a little bit more but he wasn't really the prime you know he was at work a lot of the time and actually not yeah no i i can't i mean I, I know this can operate at subtle, less obvious levels, but at the obvious levels, it's not like my mother, um, there were periods of feeling like, oh, I don't know what my mother's thinking. There were periods, we've talked about, I'd get into these big fights with my mom, and in the aftermath of those fights, there were times where she would be silent, not giving me the silent treatment, but just clearly distressed. Yeah. And I didn't have to wonder if it was about me. I knew it was about me, because we just got into this huge fight and she had cried. No, so maybe there's a little horrible. bit of... Yeah, it did. And certainly in those moments, I had a strong impulse to try to make it better. You know, I'd promise I'll be a good kid. I'll, you know, I'll clean up my room tomorrow. Start telling her about the incorporation of Point Reyes National (laughs) Seashore. Well, so then they, Congress allocated a new, (laughs) (laughs) another 58 million. Originally the U.S. Army bought the, this, I could do a podcast on this. Point Reyes is amazing and fascinating. So so yeah, I don't know. I mean, Clara is quite different from other significant loves in my life, but certainly I can't dismiss the idea that at some deep level, there's this recapitulation of patterns that's happening. Um, to one degree or the other. Yeah, yeah. I. But yeah, my, my sense is... Yeah, uh, once again, I have to talk to her and... And see where things wind up. See what she, see what she says. But yeah, my inclination is to move forward with it under these new terms and and see what happens. Well, we'll keep getting we'll keep getting juice. Well, that, that's the thing, right? Pressed if I end this relationship, <laughs> it's just a lot of episodes about Adam going hiking alone in, <laughs> in Point Reyes. And yeah, we're going to really pivot. Over the majesty of nature, another white dude expressing his sentiments about <laughs> yeah. his own, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, memory, 46. Um, solipsistic isn't quite it, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, a hard, yeah. A hard pivot to a... A history, a dramatic retelling of the history <laughs> of the Northern California public trail system. Well, the Miwok Indians originally were, all right, I'm not going to, we'll save that for the, the spinoff podcast, but, <laughs> but yeah, they originally did inhabit that land. So, uh, better believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just note one last thing, which it is weird how at times it feels like everything's fine. And then at times it feels like everything's fucked. You yeah, know, my emotional liability, is that, is that the word? Emotional liability? Liability is a good word for that. Yeah, yeah. Ups and downs. I know that because the first time I was hospitalized, I saw one of the reports 
And that was part of my diagnosis was extreme emotional lability. Yeah. And, and I could see that being tough. Again, it's been triggered by these understandably difficult circumstances with her reuniting with Rob, but I can see that being tough for someone where, yeah, the, the extremes of emotion. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's a thing for us to keep thinking about and, and looking at in you. I mean, that's, and I've, as we talked about with the email thing, like I've experienced small pieces of that where I've the gotten email e- thing for, for, yeah, the, about email. editing and stuff like we're editing the podcast and I'll send you an email expressing a lot of frustration, not with you, but with this, Oh, it's taking, you yeah, know, it'll seem like you had time. a, like you're really frustrated and I'll sort of, I'll read it in the morning. Cause you edit, i I go to bed much earlier than you. So I'll, I'll read it in the morning and I'll think, Oh God, like, man, he's going to be all out of sorts. I don't even know if he's going to want to continue this project. And then we'll talk, we'll talk the next day and it'll be like, ah, yeah, that took a long time last night. Hard one. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. No, that is a, that is a big thing for me is this, mm-hmm. let's call it caregiver or support figures or not even just people, you know, I've even seen it with friends where it's, Yeah that that thing if i it's this again it's not a conscious thing but at some level it's like if i show enough distress somehow the universe will make things better for me i mean what the what an ultimate statement of entitlement but yeah it's interesting because i wonder if baked into that i wonder if baked into that then is the assumption that if i don't show enough distress no one will care for me no one will be there for me and yet what I find more and more is when I'm willing to sit with my distress on my own, it is digested. It is transmuted into something, something else. Yeah. And hopefully that's a direction I can continue going in and not hopefully cause it's a choice. I've been able to do it more and more and I, I will continue doing that. I think so. All right, man. All right. Well, thank you for, thank you for the not session. <laughs> You are welcome. (laughs) All right. Talk soon. Talk soon, buddy. Bye.